Welcome to Find Your Rare Air. I'm Dr. Robin McKay, your host. As a psychologist, entrepreneur, and trusted advisor to top leaders in tech, medicine, and entertainment, I wanted to bring you this podcast to give you the guidance, tools, and expert advice that will help you navigate these uncommon times we're living in. From positive psychology practices to spirituality, mindfulness, and what it means to be a solution-focused transformational leader, Find Your Rare Air is going to clear your mind, open your heart, and help you rise above the noise so you can use your seat at the table for good. If that's what you've been craving, then you're in the right place. Before we begin, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss another episode, and it would make my day if you'd consider leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, on to today's episode. This is Dr. Robin McKay, and welcome to Find Your Rare Air the Transformational Leadership Podcast, an interview series for accomplished women leaders in tech, healthcare, and other high-performance fields. You know, as a psychologist and a trusted advisor for top women leaders, I naturally gravitate toward deeper issues in our careers, how we lead, and even how we do life. And here's the thing that I know for sure is that many accomplished women experience all different challenges and all things that go on in their in their lives, but we don't generally talk about it, certainly not publicly, and sometimes not even privately. Collectively, we're very good at making our lives look really good, polished, accomplished, and successful. But what I know for sure is that there are deeper stories and things that we've overcome and heartfelt questions that every woman I, I come into contact with, contact with grapples with as she goes about her life as a superhero leader. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking to one of those superheroes. I've got Julie Carnegie Reams with me today, who is the, the CEO of Comfort Keepers in the Peoria, Illinois area. Her mission is to bring world-class senior living solutions to the heart of Illinois. And I have had the honor of knowing Julie for a couple of years now. And I'm just so happy to have you with us today. Julie, welcome to Find Your Rare Air. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Can you, let's just get started right away and just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and some of the highlights of your career that our listeners would love to know about you. You know, it's sort of funny. I, I, uh, I've joked for a very long time that I, I definitely have a lot of jack of all trades in, in my story. And I, and I see that whenever I'm sort of put in the position to talk a little bit about sort of me and my background and that sort of thing. But I, I am originally from the, uh, from the Detroit area and as a child moved to central Illinois. And this has been for all intents and purposes, what I've called home really ever since. And, uh, and, and my story is, I think probably not that, that different from a lot of other young women of a certain age. And, and that is that, you know, I, I did what was expected of me for a really long time. I went to school, I got my degree. Um, I got, uh, I, I worked in a career. I was worked originally as a wedding planner and I worked in retail in the wedding business and I had children and, and decided to take a step away, spent some time as a stay at home mom, but I'm a busy girl with an active mind and uh, a lot of a lot of passion for for 
really a lot of aspects of life. And I really fell in love with childbirth and, and I became a birth doula and a birth doula trainer for many, many years. And, and then I, I grew up in business and business has always been my passion. And I had the really incredible um, joy of having three of my four grandparents live to be in their 90s. And even though we're not originally from around here, um, when I was a little girl, my dad's parents, we moved them down here. My dad's from a smaller family than my mom was. And all of my grandparents were born in the 1880s and 1890s. Mm -hmm. So the lives they saw were extraordinary. And um, in 2001, my uh, dad, who was 69 years old at the time, was kind of putzing around on the computer looking for a business opportunity. He came across Comfort Keepers, which is part of a national franchise organization. It was a very young one at the time. And, uh, and when he told me about it, I dove right in. I said, that's it. Mm. I'm in. Um, I loved seniors. I volunteered in, in uh, nursing homes when I was in uh, junior high and high school. And I loved spending time with my grandparents who were mm. just interesting and the lives they had seen were so extraordinary. And so for me, uh, that's sort of what drew me in. And, and again, I just loved business and the opportunity to marry the two just seemed like a dream come true. And it's literally mm. what I've been doing for a career ever since. And a very successful one at that. It's a multi-million dollar organization, a uh, service provider for so many people in your area. It just is something I was reflecting on as I was listening to you is you've, you've spanned the, the spectrum of life with your work. You, you did beginning of life issues with doula and birthing and now end of life issues with senior living. So you've seen the, the spectrum. I really have. And, and then I just threw in, you know, weddings because I apparently am addicted to big moments. <laughs> well, those are all big moments, aren't they? they are. Beginning, middle and end of life issues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, it seems the slightly theatrical young lady. So. And you brought up something else as you were introducing, you said uh, uh, girls of a certain age, we're talking about Gen X really is yeah. what we're talking about in terms of that trajectory of doing all the things that you're supposed to do. And I find that a lot to be the case, especially with accomplished women who happen to be in Gen X, of course, that kind of trickles down into the millennials as well. But gosh, there's a lot of pressure on you, I imagine, to kind of be the I don't want to, maybe it's the perfect girl, but definitely the one who did all the right things. Would that be a good characterization? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I absolutely fall into that. And, and just interestingly, because of sort of where I landed that Gen X, right? Our experience is different from, from just a generation before I have mm -hmm. three sisters and they were, and they're all baby boomers mm -hmm. and the opportunities that were available for them dramatically different than the opportunities that were available for me and the opportunities that were available for them dramatically different from what was available to my mom. Right. And sure. so, so I think that there is, there's that element of understanding the, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, there is a, there is a certainly some weight to the expectation of opportunities. Opportunities are fantastic and we love them. On the other hand, they come with responsibilities. And, and I, I think I kind of always had an awareness of that. Yeah. I'm reminded of, remember that a uh, commercial for Gina Tay um, oh, yeah, bathwash. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and never, never let you forget you're a man. I mean, that was kind of mm -hmm. 
that for me, when I was a little girl was like a marker of like how a woman was supposed to be. We were supposed to be able to do everything, you know? For sure. And, um, well, and I'm know, a passionate person. So I always wanted sure. to, like, there was a sense of expectation, which I completely embraced. And because I have always had an active mind and I've always been, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I had some sort of a plan for being born and I executed that according to my will. And so I kind of had that the combination <laughs> of the two was not small. It right. was really significant. And so, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So having big goals and dreams and then having kind of this buffet of opportunities set before you for when you were born for such a time as this, it's like the sky was the limit. And we call that in, in psychology, multi-potentiality, the capacity to do many things well, to have many interests. And one of the challenges for multi-potential people is um, you can do things really well, even things that you hate, and you can be highly distractible in, you know, kind of navigating and not and get criticized for not focusing on one thing. Can you talk a little bit about how you've managed that? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not so much I'm not so certain I would use the word even managed. It's an ongoing <laughs> exercise, right? Like it's like you're never done. They're never right. like tick that off my box. I can just move on. I I've never had that. And it's funny you said that in multipotentiality. So in the theater, you know, we call that somebody who's a triple threat and um, <laughs> the singing, dancing, acting. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, for me, it is, it's constantly a challenge and I don't, I don't remember, but I know I was definitely well past my forties when I realized that just because I was super interested in something didn't mean that I had to change my career such a wise thing to know finally <laughs> it took a little while but it, it it that sense of but it is also you can also sort of wind up almost in that sense of spinning where for lack of a very clear trajectory i always kind of um was in awe of in fact my, my best friend who i'm so lucky is still my best friend today we were we've been best friends since we were six years old mm. you wanted to be a nurse and I don't remember a time in our lives when she did not want to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. She always wanted to be a nurse. That sense of clarity and direction is something that I will quite frankly have envied of other people mm -hmm. over the years because it's then it's just, it's straightforward and um, it's not really been a, a thing that I would say yeah. anything about is straightforward except I'm a straight talker. But other than that, well, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, you that multipotentiality, the thing that I hear again and again and have for years from people who are multipotential is I wish that I just was really good at one thing because then I wouldn't have to play this guessing game about how I'm supposed to manage my life or my career or whatever. And um, yeah, that sense of envy over those people who are really truly experts in something from the time they're little children, not experts in terms of their skills, but just in terms of the knowing of what they want to do and having that clear focus. So how did you, but you've been in Comfort Keepers for how long? It's been 19 years. 19, and, that's what I was gonna say. Well, but so. here's the thing. I was also a doula for most of the, most of that time. And, and one of the things that's nice about being able to, about being a, a business owner is the ability to have some added flexibility. And it was one of the most attractive pieces to me for comfort keepers. Now the comfort keepers business model looked, the, the, the care that we're providing looked 
quite similar in many ways to what it does today. The way the business was structured looked very different. And for somebody who falls into that tendency to feel a little bit restless, a business that continues to evolve and reinvent itself can be really valuable. But I, one of the huge draws from the very beginning was the ability to be flexible. And so I was continuing to attend births during that time period. And, um, you know, it, babies tend to show up when and where they feel like it. So <laughs> there have been times when I was literally left the office and then went straight to the hospital and, um, and yeah. And, the, and then the first time I will have to say the very first time that, um, that that happened where I literally didn't even have the opportunity to change my clothes and I'm running from the uh, emergency department with a laboring woman um, up to labor and delivery and I'm in heels and I'm in my nice professional slacks and my blouse and somebody asked if I was her mom. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh no, I think I'm like 10 years older than her. That's not mm -hmm. cool. But it, it, it was, mm -hmm. I looked like, a, I looked like a businesswoman. So why else would I why else would you be dressed right. like that and be with her, right? Unless I was right. her mom. So it's, right. um, that's the sort of thing that happens with circumstances. But I was, so I was doing both for a period of time and I was also training doulas at the time. So I was really juggling a lot of different things. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's been, you know, that's been a work. That's something that we've certainly been spending time working on is that, that sense mm -hmm. of, um, of really understanding that, you can reinvent yourself without having to have a completely new career, right? Or have three careers happening mm -hmm. simultaneously because I was teaching yoga at the same time too. Right. Yeah. So you don't oh, have yeah. to have four so careers yeah, all going at the same time. You don't. And you don't have to blow your life up either to right. reinvent yourself for sure. Um, let's kind of shift gears here because I want to talk about, gosh, this year, it feels like it's it's been something. I don't even know. It's been something. So let's talk about some of the greatest challenges you've had this year. And the reason that I want to do this for our listeners is because, listen, we're all, we're not in the same boat, but we do have these circumstances that we're in. We've got the pandemic. We've got the Americans have political elections coming up. There's just so much right now. There's social, you know, justice issues that are happening and in our communities. And there's, God, there's so many layers of this. So how, what have some of your greatest challenges been this year from your perspective, business-wise and even in the rest of your life too? You know, I think that the challenges of this year have been all of the same challenges that I've always dealt with, only amplified. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest challenges, and it's, it's an ongoing issue that, I, that I've dealt with is making sure that I'm I'm balancing my energy that I'm that I'm expending appropriate to what is actually in the tank and that I am refilling the tank appropriately as well and um and and so just simple things I mean really honestly when it comes down to it doing the simple things that are necessary to because I can put my head down and this is a year to sort of put your head down, right? And just mm -hmm. grind through it. And mm -hmm. for, for me as somebody who has that tendency, I've had to be very careful about my personal wellness 
and really about my mental health, as so many people have. I mean, right. my goodness, this year has been a rough year. And, and during the, the most significant uh, part of the lockdown, I, I remember that there would just be days where I would get up, come downstairs. I was working from my dining room because my business, my husband and I are business partners and he's working in the office and I'm working in the dining room and we're doing this sort of thing. And then I would get up and go to the kitchen to eat something, come back to the dining room and then wrap up my day by walking an extra 25 feet into my family room, mm -hmm. you know, and that was almost the course of the day. And that mm -hmm. sense of there were problems to be solved, but the energy to solve them was, was absolutely impacted um, by just that sense of uncertain, that uncertainty. Um, yeah. And it's tough because it, it's a, the business that I'm in is a business that is constantly changing. And that's one of the things that I like about it. It, it also has the, the opposite side of that is there's just a great deal of uncertainty and everybody just, you know, I, I, I say this a lot is there was a period of time we were blessed to be able to continue to operate through the entire worst of everything. Mm -hmm. That being said, there was a period of, of a good, probably two and a half, three months where everybody was just frozen mm. and everything frozen was meaning people oh, okay. weren't frozen making decisions. Meaning. People didn't feel comfortable in, in my business where we uh, help seniors stay joyful and comfortable and safe in their homes the decision about what to do, everybody was afraid. People were afraid to see their parents, but they were also afraid to leave them alone. They were afraid to bring somebody in to assist, but then they were also afraid to put them into a facility. There were, and then they wanted to leave the facilities in some cases, but then they were afraid if they did, then what would that look like? They were just, it was so hard to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. everybody was, so like I talked about earlier and completely unrelated, right? Is that sense of spinning for too many options and not enough decisions. Mm -hmm. That was really what things felt like. And that was, that was really hard because then that became another problem to solve, but not in a, Ooh, this is fun sort of way. It's like that Rubik's cube. We wanted to toss across the room when you were 14 years old, because you mm -hmm. realized you had lost the ability that you had gained when you were 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you brought up a couple of really important things here. It seems like the specifics of a woman leader's challenges are, you know, everybody has their specific details of it, whether it was for your business. I know from chatting with you in the past that it's even decision-making around staff and making them available to people. Like there are all of these things that went into the specifics, but the, the, um, the global issues, the mental health issues, the decision-making, the hoping to God you don't burn out in the middle of all of this and doing, you know, and putting your head down and just bulldozing your way through. Those are commonalities that I think a lot of our listeners can relate to. How did you pull yourself out of that sort of paralysis of, or being frozen? Um, as a leader and how did, and then subsequently then how did that impact, you know, the, the people who you were leading in business? You know, it was one of those things where, um, and, and I, I suspect I'm not alone in this, but I know obviously looking back that this year I had to sort of go through some of it 
And then probably, honestly, a lot of it was through God's grace. I was able to, mm. to, to sort of just suddenly not be in the exact same space I was in yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see, oh, wow, this is actually happening right? Mm-hmm. I was, I was so deep and we had one of the biggest challenges we had was that this year we had made a, a staffing decision um, within our business that wound up being um, partnering with a facility that just was a, a terrible partnership. So just extracting mm-hmm. ourselves from that was really mm-hmm. challenging. And so I think that that was certainly part of it, right? Was I stopped having problem at 10 o'clock, problem at 10.30, problem at 10.45. Mm-hmm. Like when you can step away from that a little bit, you can take a breath, right? When you get a chance to take a breath, then you can start making more uh, big picture sort of solutions, right? You can see mm-hmm. things a little bit more for where they are instead of that one step after the next step after the next step. I was able to sort of step back and look, yeah. okay. Yes. So you were able to pull out of putting out fires every 30 minutes. It made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. It made a huge difference. And be able to take more of a bird's eye strategy perspective of it and start conducting. One of the things that, you know, I say, I'll say this all the time is that a leader's job is to set the tone, right? Mm -hmm. For, for where we're headed to set the tone for the day, the week, the month, the year, and when a leader is, and as we all were in this place of uncertainty, everyone's still looking to you, even though it's a place of uncertainty. So you mentioned God's grace. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman of faith and it got me through a lot because personally, <laughs> right before, so two weeks before lockdown, my oldest son went to the army. So, so we prayed a lot. During lockdown, he was in basic training and it was so strange. We get very, very little communication. We were honestly sort of blessed in that we were able to get some communications, but yeah, I mean, we absolutely did a lot, a lot of praying and a lot of just saying, well, clearly things. I mean, for somebody who likes to maybe have a little bit of control of things this year. Or a lot. (laughs) Or a lot, maybe. Um, So this year has been a, a man's, you know, I should have had a V8 kind of moment where you just go, wow, there's just, you have to accept what you cannot control. And this has certainly been a year where I've learned a lot of that and a lot of being able to just, just hand it off to God and say, I know that I'm in your hands and I know that you have a path for me and it's not my job to see every step of the way. And I don't always like it, but I know that I'm always held. Right. And, and the, the challenges that are put in front of me are put there for some reason that I haven't figured out yet, but I know that they're really there for, for something that I'm going to need later on. You know, thank you so much for sharing that part of your heart, because one of the things that I say again, a lot is at some point you reach the end of yourself and for talented women, we're so good at using our intellect to figure stuff out, make sense of it, know what to do and just move forward. And I think that for me this year, for you and for a lot of the women who are listening, you know, there, there comes a time when you go, oh, I'm, I'm at the end of myself. I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's in those moments that when we can lean into that holiness or that sacredness of our connection with God, that um, I think a whole new world can open up in terms of perspective and, and trust and faith. Um, during these very difficult, challenging times. 
Does that make it's, sense? Oh gosh, it's so it's so valuable. And I mean, I would I would add to that having for me certainly having uh, people who support me. Obviously, you're included, and I have this amazing group of 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 people, including. Um, you know, some fellow Comfort Keepers owners, people mm -hmm. in different business, but then also my my team at Comfort Keepers. Like, I'm an incredibly blessed woman, and having people who remind me to look at at that mm -hmm. it makes a huge difference because it's easy to fall into a this is really hard. I'm really struggling. I cannot, you know, I cannot square the circle. It is when you're used to being able to square the circle, mm -hmm. when yeah. you also maybe kind of get off on that a little bit, right? Th that ability mm -hmm. to solve problems when it comes easily and when it feels, you know, process improvement feels like my superpower. When I run out of that, I have to remember that's not, it's, it's something I can do. It's not who I am. Right. Right. But I that's need to be reminded of that sometimes. <laughs> a lot. So I think we all need to be reminded of that a lot. Yeah, and exactly. speaking of who you are, let's talk about transformational leadership for a few minutes. And I remember a time when you told me you had a coffee mug on your desk or a cut, was it a coffee mug or was it one of those plaques? It was a plaque. You know what it was like? It was those, um, like in the seventies, the little gold, um, yeah. metal plaque with the brown sort of um, right, right, right. That, that's a title, uh, like, like your title. paper. Yeah, like yeah, your title kind of thing. Yeah. And what yeah. was the title? It said Mom Boss. Mom Boss. Okay. <laughs> it said Mom Boss. So let's talk about that transformation from Mom Boss to really truly being in this place that you are now of CEO. What, tell me about that. I just, just want to I'm just going to give that to you you're an improv lady so just you take it away sister <laughs> you know it's it's interesting and I mean I would say again it's you know it's still a it's a process and it's a process that's in motion I um I'm very nurturing by nature and I I uh, have uh just an ongoing struggle with boundaries and I have a tendency to, I said, I like process improvement, right? And it's kind of my superpower. Well, when you, that can be kind of a fatal combination, to be honest, if you're a nurturing person who kind of sees all the right answers, sort of take over people's lives, which they don't always necessarily appreciate or need. And it can also wind up creating a great deal of frustration you know, personally. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and so, so yeah, so I did. And I, uh, in leading my team, and that's been the, really the, the challenge and the, and the process for me is leading my team in a really open, transparent, um, and, and empathetic way. All of those things are who I am. My organization reflects that. And I like that it does. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to be their parent, right? Right, And right. that the two felt like a natural fit forever. And the, the leveling up piece comes from, in the same way as with my, I mean, I have two adult children, in the same way with my children, where I say, this is on you, you have to make this decision now, right? Then, or, you know, or using, you know, choice, right? Like, do you want this or do you want this? Do you want this? Or you, you get to make two choices. 
you might not like either of them, but you pick the one that's best for you. And when you do that, of course, you empower people. And when you empower people, what inevitably happens is they level up too. And then your entire organization levels up and people start making decisions. And then, I mean, listen, and it's, you know, what you, what you didn't mention is you said you used to, it wasn't that long ago. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. And then all of a sudden 2020 hits and smacks everybody in the face and you think, oh my goodness, it's a good thing we started to work in, in that direction because mm -hmm. it was already taxing enough, right? And the, right. And the worst of, I mean, we're in Illinois, there's always still varying levels of, of lockdown happening. For us in the, in the deepest, thickest part where we're back in our office, my administrative team works together and we see each other and we basically treat it in the same way that a family that lives together sort of does. It's like, we're, we're together an awful lot. If we're gonna, if we're gonna get sick, we're gonna, it's going to be one of us probably, right? Yeah. But we're responsible yeah. when we're not in the office. So we're able to be in our office, which is great. And, um, but there was a time when we weren't and we were just trying to stay connected and that's hard enough. And there were all these decisions that needed to be made and the, the, what the right thing to do on Tuesday is no, no bearing whatsoever on the right thing to do on Wednesday. People have to be decisional. People have to be empowered. They cannot possibly be calling me every minute. Do I do this? Do I do this? Do I do this? Mm -hmm. You can't right. run an organization that way. And you, and you can certainly continue to run an organization. If you, if you stay in that place of I'm the person you come to for wisdom, guidance and answers. Um, but it's and you can't make a move really, you really hard. Can't make a move without. But that actually it really it was hard enough, right? The last thing I needed right. was to be that person for everybody mm -hmm. who's on my team. Right. right. Well, you bring up a good point about even empowering and trusting your staff and team to make decisions. Making decisions quickly and with a limited amount of information is one of the key characteristics of a powerful leader, of a an influential leader. And you can armchair quarterback and people are doing this now, you know, back in, you know, February or March of you should have done this or you should have done that. But you know what, in the moment, leaders are asked to make those decisions very quickly and with a very small piece of the puzzle right in front of them. They don't have the big picture. They don't have the advantage of being able to see the whole of it in the, in the moment that the decision has to be made. And I think that for you, that from what you know i'm from the outside looking in as you were navigating that i think that that was one of the gifts of you being able to kind of reel yourself back from mom boss into ceo and to be able to orchestrate those decisions for other people rather than being having you be the sole source the sole decision maker is that did i land on that properly oh yeah absolutely and i will say that you know since we've sort of gone back to whatever this is <laughs> it isn't it isn't really normal and i hate the term new normal so it's just like yeah. we're just here now um yeah. so i was able to have the energy to take some risks because we mm -hmm. were able to make some administrative team changes to really help to grow the organization and i know for myself that when everything is on me and I am the first person to get in my own way on that. I'm recognizing it more and more, but it is, it is an ongoing 
issue where I'll get in my own way and I'll step in, ta-da, here I am with a big S on my chest or something. It's like, no, you don't have to do that, right? It's depleting. Mm -hmm. And when I'm depleted, I am less likely to trust my instincts mm -hmm. and I am less likely to take risks. Mm -hmm. As a businesswoman, I have not found those two fail me, maybe ever. Mm -hmm. But if I that. stop listening to them, mm -hmm. or if I doubt them, or if I second guess, or if I overanalyze, then inevitably I will get in my own way. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so I needed that energy to be able to do that when we when we went back to the place where we when people when the energy started to shift right like i think i'm going to call this this is the energy shift because i think we're still in it and um and so as the energy started to shift and i i said to I, my director of operations is amazing and super um great person to bounce things off of and and we both agreed we said the energy is not right anymore we can't continue to be separated and still feel like we're collaborative. Some people seem to be doing that really well and more power to them. It's not the way my organization runs. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, let's, we need to come back together and we'll do it responsibly. We wanna be smart. We don't want anybody to get hurt or get sick. Let's do this. And when we did, we also knew we needed to make some shifts in order to, for lack of a better word, sort of you know, ride that wave of of the energy shift and having done that we've been able to take those those risks and if i was as depleted as i would have been uh, without empowering my team it would have been not so good not so good what kind of inner work do you do because a lot we we think a lot about like the outward expression or the results but the inner work is actually what gets us those results. So what kind of stuff do you do to take care of yourself in that way that allows an, you to be risk taker? It's yeah. It, and, and it is, I feel like I'm constantly experimenting with what, what works and what works in a consistent and lasting way. Cause I have mm -hmm. a little bit of it's, you know, short attention span and I like quick results. I can be a little, uh, low on my tolerance for frustration. And um, so, so some of the key things that I know that when I'll do this, I know that when I do them consistently, mm -hmm. um, work really well. Journaling is really valuable for me. Prayer is very important to me. And it's just um, baked into the cake. It's just something I do. Um, yeah. And I will say the, when I do more, it is better. I do yoga. I work out. Um, I work with a really good coach, <laughs> which really helps. And, um, and, and I use essential oils to keep myself. So one of my, it's this, it's the, it's a funny little thing, but in the mornings, um, just my quick, I like my sleep mm -hmm. and I never seem to get enough of it. Um, so I, uh, just a quick morning thing is I will put coconut oil all over my face and put a really hot washcloth on them and sit in my chair and mm -hmm. just start with just some quick daily prayer followed by some essential oils, kind of a quick, simple, you know, I do really well when I play, but it's hard to get me to play because I really like to work. So sometimes I need to be dragged into fun. 
Yeah. And, well, which is so funny because you're such a fun loving human anyway. So I think that work when you can blend, when you're not sure if you're working or playing, like that's the best place to be anyway, is in yeah. that flow of, of doing what you do best. For sure. For sure. Let's see. What else didn't we cover that you want to just, you're just dying to like share or something that occurs to you to share with our audience? You know, something that occurs to me is, is sort of uh, part of part of the work that we've done together that I have found to be completely transformational for me is um, I grew up having a, as we sort of started with, having a, an intense sense of responsibility, having mm. an, an intense uh, sense of competitiveness and ambition and I have a learning disability, which mm. changed and really altered my perception mm. of, of how I was going to be able to meet those, those things. And one of the pieces that I have undervalued literally until like a year ago um, is the fact that I have a big, fun, warm personality. Mm. And for a very long time, based on what God only knows, but I always felt intensely um, insecure about being boisterous and loquacious and um, silly and funny and, and so for, for me to realize that that actually has value rather than looking unprofessional, like I had this, I'd created sort of an entire construction around what a professional person behaved like. And a, role, they, a role that you would play. Exactly. And they rarely would dance on tables, stone cold sober, mm -hmm. except I will totally dance on a table stone cold sober <laughs> um, or get up at annual conference and sing, don't start, don't stop believing mm -hmm. and, and then start taking requests. Like that person didn't align for a long time with somebody who's professional. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that it's, it's something I get to define not something that has to be defined outside of me. And that has been extraordinarily transform transformative. You get to define what a leader looks like. Yeah, because it turns out, even if I am silly and um, use words that people don't understand. Which well, I've got to tell you, this, but this audience is all good. They're all like, dude, I, so, you know, like, so like, I, hit, I, me with your, hit me with your best word. And oh, well, you, the, the, the big joke at the office right now is, um, is brackish. It's because somebody was like putting some powdery stuff into their water and shaking it around. And I was like, it looks like kind of like brackish water. And so now it's this it's sort of a running joke, this, this brackish water. And, and so I, I just use those words and I don't think twice about it. And then I just move on or I'll crack a joke or I'll laugh or have everybody stand up. If everybody's fading during the meeting, I'll have them stand up and do the Tibetan breath of joy. And I say, now it's time for the Tibetan breath of joy. You asked for it, guys. And, and it's, I get to do that. 
because it's who I am and it's me being yes. authentic, right? Yes. And, and if I showed up in an organization where I wasn't, uh, air quotes, allowed to do that, I would just be in the wrong place. It wouldn't be me. It means I'm in the wrong place. Some places are really buttoned down and everybody's in, Brooke Brother, in Brooks Brothers. There's, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a person who can sort of bend and shape and mold themselves, I could do that, but I couldn't do it for long and I'm not interested in doing it. Well, and at I this point, you don't have time for that. But for to sure. your point, it's like, it's like that capacity. There's this, everyone talks about the imposter syndrome, but I think for our community of women, it's more about the chameleon syndrome. When you're bright enough to kind of navigate and figure out how you need to be in order to fit in or how you need to be in order to make sure that everybody's happy or aligned or whatever. And if it means wearing Brooks Brothers suits, then you can do that. But at what what's the cost? And that cost can be the cost of your, your, your soul, actually. And so exactly. you found this place in your business. And even, even though you've had your own business, even being in the mom boss role, versus in the, you know, the transformational leader, the CEO role, which you've gotten to define for yourself. And at your company, the CEO is going to do the Tibetan breath of joy. Y'all ask for it. That's how we roll around here. Exactly. And I you're, mean, you're and a tone setter for your organization. And that's one of your major responsibilities. Exactly. And, and valuing that and realizing that there isn't one mold. And I think that's really what it kind of comes to. And I think it's a little bit of a Gen X thing to some mm -hmm. degree, right? Is as opportunities are opening up for women during the 80s and then into the 90s, we're still trying to sort of figure out, do we do this just the same way that a male counterpart might? And, and some of it too is I think that pop culture played a role for a long time. Sure. Right? You know, I mean, Melanie Griffith, Melanie Griffith in Working Girl was exactly. the iconic example. And Barb, my, my co-author in Smart Girls in the 21st Century once wrote, she said, women do not need remedial masculinity lessons. And yet that's kind of the, the role that we were taught to play when we were, from the time we were little girls is, you know, the shoulder pads and the menswear and the, you know, and then beyond that, beyond the dress of it, the attitudes and the, the, um, that over masculinized sort of approach to leadership that um, is at this point quite unnecessary and for where we're headed I think there is a there's a big shift into kind of this being equally yoked masculine and feminine regardless of if you're male or female I agree 100% or, and I think that you know listen I mean I am a, I was a swimmer so I love me some shoulder pads just a nice broad shoulder it works for me um, but I will say that um, it, it it was it, I mean have it being the age that I am being a Gen X person to be able to see from my my sister who's 13 years older than me said that you know when she graduated the expectations were that she would be a nurse or a teacher Mm -hmm. And um, she wasn't interested in either of those. So she went and was an operator at the phone company, right? Like, because that was also something a girl could do. Right. And I, it, 13 years doesn't feel like that big of an age gap. But by comparison, what was available to me was completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're right. I mean, I think that that's, and that sort of fits into that whole chameleon piece. It's like, I'll be whoever you need me to be. Mm -hmm. 
Um, because one, because I can, because I have the acting gene and I can do that and that's fun for me. And I also know what my energy will tolerate for a period of time. And then I've, I've joked for a long time, um, that I've, I've been self-employed for virtually all of my adult life because I'm not fit for employment. And in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite, right? It's just that I figured out this is exactly how I'm going to craft an organization that doesn't energetically deplete me by being somebody who is not my true self. That's beautiful. Thank you. What's next for you? Uh, you know what? We'll, we'll see. I am, I am very, I have a lot of changes going on personally this year. So, so we'll see. So, you know, at the very beginning, or I guess midway, I was saying that my son joined the army, right? So I haven't seen mm -hmm. my kid since February, which stinks. So I keep thinking next is they're going to open up the bases for a little while and I can at least give the kid a hug. Um, but I, we're, we're planning on selling our house here in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. We are actually moving our office at Comfort Keepers. And mm -hmm. I, uh, and so, so big, a lot of moving changes and we love mm -hmm. to, we love to move things because moving things moves energy. So that's exciting. And, um, and then, you know, and then to me, it really becomes what's the next challenge? What's the next piece mm -hmm. to take on? I work with a lot of, um, of companies who offer sort of, you know, uh, software as a service and, I'm constantly looking at how they could process, improve, and be more user-focused and those sort of things. So I'm always intrigued by that as I'm coming up on my second decade with Comfort Keepers. The question is, you know, how do I, do I move on to something else and hand off the day-to-day -day operations? What, what is that? I love the, I love being in the curiosity of seeing what's going to open up for me down the road. Mm -hmm. um, transforming comfort keepers is an ongoing um, blessing and challenge. And, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of those things happening right now. So it's exciting to kind so of good. see. Yeah. I was reflecting, as you said that, just living in the question of what's next and this, if nothing else, 2020 has keyed us into the importance of being able to live in uncertainty. And you have a choice about how you do that. You can live in the uncertainty and white knuckle it and pray to get back to normal. Or you can kind of, kind of, or really embrace the and be curious about what is next. I wonder being in the, I wonder mode is so much more fun and engaging anyway. It really is. And, and nothing is as it was, right? Like nothing is as it was. It, it, today is and it's never going yesterday. to be that way again we exactly. are now in a post-covid world and it's even, never going to be the same again you know and i think if we spend all of our time wanting things to be exactly the same we lose a lot of opportunities for innovation and and i like stability as much as the next person because i i can be this crazy and i mean I can't anymore. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like once my fifties hit the whole doula, like I have so much admiration for my doula and midwife friends who can still get up at three o'clock in the morning, be with somebody for 30 hours. And then, and then my, my midwife friends who are actually in the office, like seeing patients the next day blows my mind. Right. Like I couldn't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. But I also have always been that person who needs like a base level of stability in order to be super adaptable. Right. The reality is that 
you you need a base level of stability. We all we all have to figure out what our own is. Mm-hmm. But but we don't if you hold on too tight to anything, it just winds up spilling out somewhere else. Mm. So normal it's such an illusion anyway. And mm-hmm. really we you know, gosh, I don't know. Are the you know 2020s anything like the 2000 tens no not at all so and it's certainly not like the 80s my glory days when i was in high school and college um and that's that's good too because we didn't have well, computers we carried around think, in our hands so. i know it i think your glory days are yet to come my dear and last question where can people track you down online do you have a website or linkedin profile anywhere they can track you, you know, down if they want to learn more about you um, obviously we have, uh, we have a website for comfort keepers. Um, but, uh, but the best place really best places to reach me are on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I'm Julie Carnegie Reams, both places, Carnegie, like Carnegie hall and Reams, like Reams of paper. I've said that right. a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have that link obviously in the show notes as well, but Julie, it's just been so, so joyful to have you here with us. I so appreciate your t- time. I'm Dr. Robin McKay, and this is the ending of our latest episode of Find Your Rare Air. We'll be back another time, and we'll see you soon. Ciao, ciao.